0: helps you to understand and experience the depth of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Fourth. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. Well, good morning, saints. Good morning sinners, good we're all here, I bring you greetings from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Saranac Lake, New York, which is in our synod, our most northwestern part of the synod, and with your permission, I'll bring greetings to you where I'll be in two weeks to Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Meriden, Connecticut. May I do that? Excellent, I've only had one church say no so far. It's funny when Pastor asks the kids, you know, what you want to be when you grow up. I've seen that sermon a lot. I've never seen a child say, Bishop! (laughs) So I want to start today by asking you a question. What do the following have in common? Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, The Odyssey. The temptation of Jesus, a pastor friend of mine named Roberta, and a close friend of mine that I've known for 30 years named David. All of those are stories and contain stories that are essentially the same narrative. It is a part of what happens to a person after they've been to the mountaintop and then they come back down the mountain and reality sets in. The gospel lesson today is the temptation of Jesus. It follows his baptism, the call to ministry, the pinnacle of his early years before he has even begun to engage in ministry. After this particular passage, he will go and call disciples. He knows he will need friends. He knows he will need Frodo. He knows he will need C-3PO. He knows he will need Peter. And what those three characters have in common is they are always sort of awkward clowns that stumble along and are unlikely agents in the great scheme of a divine plan. My friend Roberta is a pastor in our synod. I changed her name to Protect the Guilty. Every year, I invite our pastors, if they wish to, to send a report. Hers this year said, I have been in this call now for four years. It's her first call. She's 31 years old. I finally understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And I love my congregation. But it was not always like that. Because she came out of seminary idealistic. Remember that? (laughs) We come out of seminary idealistic. We have read all kinds of things about how the church is called to be this embodiment of the kingdom of God, of God's plan for how it's all going to unfold. And then we arrive at our first church council meeting. And we discover that Helen does not like Charlie. And that for decades, Jacob has been pounding about the same thing and the building property issues and no one ever listens to him. And then we discover that some of the people in the congregation really have no interest in God. They are just simply here because the coffee and the muffins on Sunday are better than Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) And then after a while for Roberta, she became quite disillusioned. People gave her all kinds of advice, all kinds of suggestions. What she could do, what she should do, what she ought to do. There were crafty little schemes. People lamented the decline in attendance in their congregation over the last 40 years and blamed her, even though she'd only been there for nine months. She was tempted to give in. She was tempted to let go of the vision that she believed God had called to do. The temptation story of Jesus follows his baptism, precedes the calling of his disciples, and the understanding of what is the trajectory of his ministry. But he does not get to a full and complete understanding of his ministry without the temptation. The temptation of Jesus is a necessary component in his maturation. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, isn't this God? Doesn't God know everything? God knows how everything works. But everything is not predetermined. If you want that understanding, there's a Presbyterian church down the road. (laughs) So Jesus enters into this temptation, and this temptation with the tempter, the accuser, the great litigator that has been around from the beginning and continues today. What is the central temptation? The first being, if you are the Son of God. The second one being, if you are the Son of God. The third being, if. You are the son of God. Jesus has just been baptized. When he came out of the water, what did God say? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. And so now Satan comes along and says, you don't really believe that, do you? You don't really think that's really true. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Have you ever heard that voice in your own head? If you are a child of God, who do you think you are that you can be a father, be a mother, be a student, be an engineer, be a SWAT team leader that studies great white sharks? that can be Lightning McQueen. You know that voice that sits right there? Questions, makes you wonder. Somebody was once asked about that voice, can you get rid of that voice? No, you cannot get rid of that voice. But you can educate it. Jesus proceeds through these temptations, and each time he responds out of his tradition. He responds using scripture. But before he is able to use scripture as a tool for the path that he is called to, he has a spirituality that is a part of his everyday life. He has a spirituality that is connected to who he is at the grocery store, at Starbucks, at the bank on the playground, in congregational meetings, and our workplaces. Jesus has a spirituality that is connected to the everyday aspects of life. Tomorrow morning, I will go and have my car inspected and serviced. Jesus is there? Yes, he is. On Tuesday, I will get into an airplane. A pilot will fly that plane. Is Jesus there? Is Jesus walking with you when you're in the parking lot on the way out today? Is Jesus with you on the playground? Is Jesus with you in school? Is Jesus with you in all that you do? Absolutely. Oftentimes, though, we go through a life that is filled with temptations the answer to temptations is not some magic quoting of Scripture. Rather, it is Scripture that is rooted in our understanding that Jesus is a part of every single aspect of our lives. My friend David discovered this. In 1980, he was a vice president of sales for NBC television in New York City. Very successful. Rolling in the dough. And as David would say to this day, sales is all about the money. (laughs) He was given an assignment to go to Lake Placid, New York. Now, some of you will recall this was the site of the 1980 Winter Olympics games when the young upstart hockey college kids beat the mighty professional, really, USSR hockey team. David arrived in Lake Placid, but he had made a little bit of an error, omission. You see, he had a team of about six or eight people working with him, and he arrived there, but he had not made rental car reservations. This is 1980, folks, there was no Uber. So David, being a resourceful person, went to the local Ford dealer and purchased four vehicles on the company cab. (laughs) problem solved. When David returned to New York City after the uh, dream of the Olympics had disappeared, he was invited into the vice president's office, his supervisor, and one could hear the expletives flying down the hall. Four vehicles, purchased, who do you think you are? Ranting and raving and pounding and yelling and screaming and finally David said, it's not my fault. Okay, David, explain this to me. It's not your fault. Whose fault is it? David sat there smugly, said, it's your fault. (laughs) It's my fault, the vice president said. How is this my fault? And David said to him, you hired me. The VP leaned back in his chair, incredulous, had never witnessed such a lack of responsibility. The following Monday, David had been reassigned to a small NBC radio outfit in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You see, underneath the irresponsibility was David's struggle with alcohol. been an alcoholic since he was 16 years old. First exposed to alcohol at the Woodstock Festival. David went through rehab after rehab. He tried AA. He went through all kinds of programs. Finally, one night, he had drunk so much alcohol that collapsed, and somehow he ended up in a hospital. And lying in bed at night, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he sees at the foot of his bed a very large African-American nurse. She's dressed in a very traditional 1940s, 1950s nurse costume outfit, complete with a little hat on her head. She's at the foot of his bed, and she wakes up, wakes him up. He sees her. And she just says one thing. She asks him a question. What are you doing with your life? The next morning, David wakes up, and a small, frail, older white nurse is in the room opening the curtains, and he says, I want to speak with the nurse who was on, the late, the late night nurse, the, the woman who was here last night. I said, I don't know who you're, what you're talking about. I'm the only one that's been here all night. No, 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 the woman, and he goes and he describes her. Sir, there's nobody that looks like that here. What happened to David? Did he have an alcoholic hallucination? Did he have an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Did he have some kind of quasi-psychological old memory come back? Whatever it was that happened to David, that question penetrated his life. It didn't happen right away, but over the course of time, he ended up through rehab. And just this past October celebrated his must be 34 36th anniversary in Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of times in life, we have to go through the temptations. We have to go through the crucifixions. We have to go through the descent before we can realize that on the other side, on the other side is a new life, is hope, is resurrection, is the promise that God is with us at the mountaintop experience, at the baptismal experience, in the temptations, on the cross, and in the resurrection. And what that means is that God is with us in every single aspect of our lives. Amen? That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.